Hey, everybody. Happy Friday and happy early Memorial Day. Uh, welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Thomas. I'm the host of the show. And today we're joined by Kyle Gargaro from the ACHR News. Kyle, how are you doing? Very good. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you. So, Kyle, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners uh, and tell them a little bit more about what you do uh, for the ACHR News and uh, your really your background in the industry. Sure. I don't have to repeat my name because you got it correct, Kyle Gregorio. Very impressive. Um, I'm the editorial director of the ACHR News. So we're a bi-monthly publication for the HVC industry. We really kind of zero in on HVC contractors, both residential and commercial. But we have you know uh, distributors, manufacturers, uh, educators also read us. But what we'd like to say is we write articles about anything that will help an HVC contractor in his business. So it can be a legislation update, new technology, business management, kind of anything under the sun that will help contractors uh, make more money. It's 2021, so you just can't be a print publication anymore either, right? So we have achrnews.com, air conditioning, heating, refrigeration, news.com, where we update at least two feature stories a day in addition to breaking news. And we have webinars and podcasts and videos. So we just try to provide all the education we can uh, for the HVC industry. So I've not been in this position, but with the ACHR News for about 18 years now and before I started, I could kind of tell you where my furnace was in the house and air conditioner, but that was about it. But over 18 years, this, you probably know it too. This industry is very cool about kind of, you know, just uh, educating you and, and taking the time to, to let you learn. So I feel like I've, I've learned a lot, but uh, still wouldn't be able to change out an air conditioner. But I can talk to maybe a little bit about trends in the, in the market. That's awesome. I feel like the ACHR news is uh, fairly popular. Do you know off the top of your, uh, off the top of your head, how many people are subscribed or downloaded or received even the print version? Yeah. So we, we have memberships now, which is kind of uh, equivalent to subscriptions where if you sign up, you get our print, you get digital, you, you kind of get everything. And we're around 30,000. Wow. Yeah. So that's a, it's a pretty prominent publication in the industry. It sounds like. Yep. Yep. We try. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, um, I'd really like to just dive into some of the stuff that I've seen you write in the ACHR news, as well as uh, some of the conversations that I've heard on the podcast that you all host as well. Uh, some things that just kind of uh, sparked a thought in my head that I figured we could talk about. Um, and the most, the most recent one that I was reading and I wanted to talk about today is uh, contractors playing the long game in marketing. Uh, because you know this is a marketing podcast, and this is something that we uh, continually like to talk to our clients about as well about laying a good foundation. Um, but I'd love to just learn more about what your thoughts are on the long game in marketing, and uh, and really what you think contractors should do to set themselves up for success. Sure, uh, no problem. Yeah, when I brought that article, I was kind of thinking in my head um, how everyone's looking for it. It's contractors plus, you know, manufacturers advertising uh, with us are thinking the same thing, you know, how many leads do I get or how many, you know, clicks do, if I put out this ad on your website, how many clicks do I get? And I put my phone number in this radio ad, how many rings it'll be. And that's, you know, cost per lead. That's, the, that's certainly important. But when I'm talking long game back in the, the old days, sometimes, uh, you know, when I'm talking advertising, you're, you're talking brandy. Uh, so getting your name out there. So the fact that, when your air conditioner does break, 
they remember you and they go, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Flame Furnace or ABC Heating. Yeah, I, I know those guys. I'm going to call those guys. And that can be accomplished with, you know, your trucks flying all over the place uh, in the right branding, uh, um, helping them in local media, getting some free coverage, which uh, my background is in newspapers. So I kind of know as an editor for a newspaper, a uh, small local newspaper, how important it is to get contributions because they're always short staffed and they're always, you know, have more inches to fill than they have copy. So kind of free advertising or just basic advertising on, you know, cable or radio where you're not exactly looking for a lead. You're just trying to introduce your company to the, to your consumers, yeah. your market. So really building that top of mind awareness. So you're yeah. the first thing they think of. And so you said you have a, a background in, print uh so how do you think that the modern day digital advertising uh can be used in cahoots with traditional advertising to build that uh that top of mind awareness for the long game yeah so so i I think that's what print accomplishes the most it's uh it's your brand awareness and it's to get top of mind Uh, you know like we said all the digital stuff is immediate action and the investment you're making in seo is someone's air conditioner broke and they say you know air conditioning contractors you know close to me but hopefully if you do it right on the front end with the branding they won't be going to google to try to you know see you and your competitors they'll just remember you think of you and because you sponsor the local sports team or, you know, have a few billboards up. Um, Cause really the hard part of HVAC is, I don't know what people buy a new one, two, maybe three times in their life. It's not like a car or groceries or where you're, you know, you're, you're constantly doing it or doing it every, you know, three to seven years. So it's a little bit tougher for HVAC contractors, but you still want people to, to know and trust you when they hear your name. Yeah. So of all the traditional mediums out there, uh, which one do you think is probably the most uh, practical for building brand awareness? For, for an HVC contractor, I think billboards are still, <laughs> are, are still really good. Uh, local newspapers, at least, uh, you know, I consume a lot of my news online and stuff, but I don't go to my, when I talk local, it's, I'm in here in the Detroit area. It's not the Detroit news. That, that's the big you know newspaper out here. I'm in Rochester Hills. It's the local Rochester Hills, you know, newspaper. So it's really, you know, what's going on in the schools and any crime just in your general area. And I'm mo- much more apt, apt to pick up that print product than a bigger one that I can get other places. I can only get that news in that newspaper. Everything else I can kind of get maybe in a in a bunch of different places. So local newspaper would be a, a good place to to start too. Yeah. So with billboard, what do you feel is a like some key elements of a good billboard? I would say getting attention, right? Um I, I always like humor. You see the ones that are they're, they're kind of humorous and kind of you know th- th- stick in your head. Uh, it's weird when you're driving to work. If, if people drive to work anymore, I'm I'm out of the home office you now. But you know, it feels like you might pass fifty billboards, but you always see two or three. And I don't think it's really the location. It's it's you know it's popping. It makes you laugh, and it just kind of draws you to it a little bit. So yeah, something that really pops and make people remember it, and uh, and maybe you know hit the person next to it and, and point to it. Kind of like Chick-fil-A. They do a good job with it. They do. They really do. Yeah. 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 And there's, 
You go ahead. Oh, yeah. I've seen the contractors one. Is your wife hot? Which is obviously, I feel like I've seen that a, a few times, which I guess, it, you know, it, it could backfire you in a little bit, but, but something that's kind of funny. And then, you know, the, you know, air conditioning company is, uh, is, you know, plastered up there. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen them get really creative with it. And I think that's, uh, yeah, because you got just a split second, especially if it's on a highway. Right. Uh, and they're, you know, they're going 70 miles an hour. You got a split second to really get that logo and that, that, uh, impression in their head and make it rememberable. Um, but it's also like we were saying, it, it fits into the mix. Like you got to have the seven touch points they say to truly have a, you know, brand awareness. Uh, so I feel like it definitely does play a really important role in it. Uh, so in going back to building this, this long-term uh, brand, when it comes to like the website or other elements, what do you feel um, contractors can do starting off to do a good job laying the groundwork for their business? Yeah, well, everything has to be integrated, right? So your if there's a color on your website, it better be on your trucks and it better be your uniforms. Just uh, that that branding is just so so very, very important. And really the the website's where it's at now because people don't really want to call you anymore. You know, they, they want to go there, maybe have a live chat on your uh, on your website or um, a, at least a, a message where they can send you a message and then you'll get back to them. Uh, but they want things kind of quick and easy. So, you know, upper right-hand corner, this is where you click to, to contact us. Sometimes uh, less is more. And I put all the social media stuff on the bottom because if you're, you're on there, if they're on their, your site right now, you don't want to send them off because mm-hmm. they go oh, their Facebook, they click it and all of a sudden they're doing whatever they do on uh, on Facebook there, but you know, clean and then try to capture that lead as quick as possible. Make it as easy as possible for them. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we are definitely uh, evangelists of booting the social media down to the footer. Cause yep. Especially for if you're doing paid advertising on Google, like you're paying sometimes four or five dollars a click for someone to come to your website, then you're going to send them to Facebook and they're going to just argue with their family about politics or what. <laughs> and I'm as guilty as next day. It's, it's a, the social media can be a black hole, right? You, you go yeah. down and all of a sudden, you know, yeah. your boss comes in the room and, you, and you, you click it off and it's like, oh, geez, I didn't even know what I was with the website that drew me there. So, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, another another uh, topic I had recently heard you speaking about was purchasing uh, or selling your business on the podcast. That was actually a, a very recent one, I believe. Correct? Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it posted up on Monday. Yeah, you're yeah. you're on top of things. I like it. Oh yeah, yeah. We <laughs> we stay on and we like to know what's going on. So, uh, what are some of the takeaways from that conversation about selling your business? Sure. I thought it was interesting. Uh, uh, we, we talked to, um, uh, you know, a guy who does this for a living that you know, helps contractors through it is I have to be financially and emotionally ready. You kind of forget the, uh, the, the emotional part and that, are you really ready to give away, give away, sell your business? Or I guess it could be giveaway for giving it to, you know, to someone in the, your kids or someone in the family, but are you really ready to, to step away? Cause it has to be a clean break, especially if you're doing it to the next generation, you can't, you know, be kind of hovering around and people are used to going to you for the answers. So even if we've uh, transferred, you know, the power to the next generation, they're comfortable with it and they're going to ask you. So actually uh, the guest said uh, one of his uh, guys sold it and then he moved two hours away because I don't want to even 
uh, get the inkling to kind of pop in and uh, it, 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 it kind of cause a problem. Uh, so, so that was pretty interesting how to kind of set it up emotionally. And of course, financially, are you completely set up? How, what are you going to spend your retirement? Are you just going to putz around the house and uh, mow the lawn? Then that you'll be in a different financial place than if you want to, you know, do the great European vacation kind of every summer. Uh, but just kind of get your ducks in the row and uh, and really plan out so you 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 know you're going to be happy with your decision. Yeah. So what are um, really if you're going to sell, or I guess on the on the on the opposite side of that, if you're looking to buy, because there's a lot of uh, contractors we've we've spoken to recently who are really getting into this trend of buying companies, like you know someone has a. Re- a retirement plan or they just didn't have a kid to hand the business to. And they're like, I'm out of this. I'm going to sell it. If someone's looking to buy, what are some, I guess, some elements or some aspects of the business that you would recommend them looking into and making sure that it has before they purchase it? Sure. We're seeing a lot more consolidation, uh, even in the mid range HVC contractors than we did before. I know that was a big thing in the nineties, which was a little before my time, but I, I started the news in 2004, so I heard about it. So it seems all these things are cyclical. But everyone I talk to is you got to be careful that you're not buying a business where the owner is the business. Like, you know, he's been around for forever. The community trusts them and, you know, they'll call him at home and come on over. It's things like maintenance agreements. Do you have a customer base that is going to be loyal to the company not loyal to the you know individual that you're buying it from to make sure that you're going to be able to do the same amount of business this next year that that he did uh, in the in the last year. So maintenance agreements, I would say, would be the number one uh, thing to look at to make sure the business is healthy. Yeah, and so what about like overhead costs, like trucks and uh, employees and administrative stuff? Uh, what are some things to take into consideration for all of that? Sure. Yeah. You'd have to, you know, it's kind of goes out saying you have to dive in the financials and see, you know, how much revenue, how much profit they're doing, how much of the overhead that you'd probably want to get a professional to go in there and look at. I'd hate to give some bad advice and have someone uh, get mad at, uh, well, hopefully you, not me, uh, <laughs> saying that we, we made the wrong call and they, they bought a business. But yeah, just that was the whole thing actually in the podcast to get a professional to go in there and look at the books and kind of give you advice on you know, what to look for, what's good and what's bad before you kind of just uh, jump in. Yeah. What do you think are some of like the repercussions uh, that you could face if you purchase a company that has a bad reputation? Because I remember you just saying, like, make sure they don't, the company isn't the person, you know. So what if that company, the person has a bad reputation, uh, but the company has 550 maintenance agreements, you know, per year. So it's a, you know, it's a good portfolio of customers are picking up but with a bad reputation what would your recommendation be for that yeah that's that's interesting because it would be good it'd be smart to go on yelp and all those you know websites to see what their uh how people think of them because that's what you're bringing on you know um i mean it it depends too are you buying the company and grabbing all the maintenance agreements and all the things and then you're going to fold it into yours so now it's going to be your name and then in that case it's your you know uh you're hopefully changing the way they, you know, they do things. And also it's your brand or are you going to operate it separately? In that case, I'd be a little nervous because 
you know, the internet's forever, as they say. So mm-hmm. it'd be, it's it's a hard boat to turn around, ship to turn around to try to scrub that when you have a negative uh, opinion of you in the in the industry. And everyone's going to have a couple, right? You're going to go to the Yelp, and you're not going to get. And actually, you don't want all perfect scores because then it looks like something shady's going on and your your yeah. stuff's in the ballot box. So there's there's going to be a couple of bad ones in there. But if that percentage starts getting up there, then that's that would definitely be a red flag. Yeah. Well, with Yelp, if you actually see their five-star reviews, it's probably an indication that they're giving Yelp money for advertising. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're right. They'll hold those over your head. Yeah. So uh, there's another article I'd recently read about uh, supply chain issues. I don't believe you wrote it, um, but there is a there's a supply chain uh, really shortage across the country that they're seeing from the manufacturer level uh, that's trickling down to the contractors where they're having a hard time getting equipment right before the heat of summer. Uh, what are, I guess, some things that you're seeing on your side of it that might be an indication of the next few months? Yeah, so it was a perfect storm last year that kind of ran into some trouble. Uh, there wasn't a projection that were, that the HVC industry was going to have a good year. There actually were the manufacturers are projecting a down year, and then COVID, COVID kind of you know shook the edge of sketch on us, and, uh, and any kind of plan we had was uh, was long gone. So what happened was we had a crazy hot summer, uh, supply chain issues because social distancing, not as many people in the factory, plus things coming overseas. It was it was really slow. And everyone was in their house, and they wanted to make sure their indoor air quality and their comfort level was was up to par. And a lot of them had an extra some extra money in their pocket because they were still working their jobs, still getting paid, but the, you know, the government was giving stimulus checks, and they weren't going out to eat. They weren't going to, you know, vacation, so they had a lot of money. So that that's what kind of hurt them last year, and it was it was pretty tough. I'm sure the contractors watching uh, or listening uh, realized that. In fact, I don't. I felt it was like either 45 or 50 percent. Hardy said 45 or 50 percent. Can't what the number was. It was in that ballpark. Contractors got products from someone other than their main distributor. Uh, I know that could have been a different distributor somehow find it online, but that was way out of whack with how many it usually is. Personally, I thought, you know, we kind of got through it. We got through the winter and we're, we're gearing kind of back up for summer that uh, all was going to be well. But talking to both the manufacturers and contractors, it seems like it's still an issue now um, and it's going to be in the summer. I talked to Temple Air in, uh, in Texas and they actually – have a warehouse and they put a bunch of, I think they have about, they say they can get like 30 days worth of product in their, in their warehouse. So they're not, they're ahead of the game. So they're not as uh, dependent on the manufacturer and the distributor. So I think it's just, if you keep, and it's not the most financially practical thing to do, but I say keep as much product as you can. And then also uh, communicate with your customer because there's nothing worse than someone expecting it on Monday and they're not getting on Monday. But if you're working with your distributor and your manufacturer and then communicating with the contractor, I feel most people realize we're still kind of in a little bit of a crazy time. They turn on the news and they know, you know, uh, distribution still an issue. I heard people can't get chlorine for pools. So pools can't be open. It's in every aspect of, uh, of our economy. So 
um, most rational customers realize, oh, okay, no, I, I've heard that on the news. I get it. You're working with me. It might be a week or two later, but but we can work through that. But it is going to be an issue this summer. Like I don't think as bad as last summer, but it will be an issue. Yeah, it'll be a, a different issue that's still similar. Right. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully everything, I mean, it's a bad problem to have, but it's a good problem to have. It means, you know, things are flying off the shelf. You know, the, our contract listeners are getting a lot of calls or making money. So it's the reason for it is good, but it, it it's just it's a tough place to put the contractors in. And I get that. Yeah. So do you do you foresee there being uh, kind of a flip flop in the near future where supply is high and demand is lower so that prices will go down? I think eventually, because one of the reasons I, I left off on why. Uh, last year was so high was when you look at HRI, the Manufacturer Association, their numbers, they do the, the shipment numbers. Now, that's not how many systems are sold or installed, but that's the only way we can really identify how much product is out there. It got shipped from the manufacturers out. And 2004, 2005, 2006 were crazy kind of high record years. And then you remember 08, 09, everything mm-hmm. kind of went down. Well, we're 15, 16 years out for that. The average air conditioner furnace, about 15 or 16 years. So in addition to all the things I talked about before, there's a lot of products that, you know, it's time to replace it rather than repair it. So I think when we get through that in a year or two, then inevitably it's cyclical, it flips, right? Now it's, if your air conditioner is broke, you're more apt to repair than replace it. And that's when uh, supply and demand changes a little bit. Yeah. So I guess the uh, going back to contractors playing the long game in marketing, if you haven't started, now's the time to start because 10 to 12 years from now, all the systems that were installed this past year are going to start crapping out and you're going to have to be top of mind. <laughs> yep. And definitely put a sticker on, on it with your information. I know with the thermostat, it's, it's kind of linked too. But after, I mean, I think the average person spends about six years in their house. So the odds that the person you sold it to now is going to be the one looking for one in 12 to 15 years is pretty rare. But uh, if, you know, if you sold them a maintenance agreement, uh, that's obviously, uh, you know, good because that can sometimes uh, um, transfer. Uh, but uh, m- m- make sure your information's there so the new owner will call you to install it or repair it. Yeah. So what do you, what do you see the future of, the HVAC industry looking like in the next five to 10 years? Oh, that's a, like just uh, any kind of trends. That's a pretty broad question. Yeah. I'd say just, <laughs> just in general, kind of um, as far as how it relates to the housing market uh, with less people purchasing homes, uh, the baby boomer generation leaving their homes and, and such. Uh, do you see, I know that they're predicting that the industry is going to continue to grow until 2036. Um, but do you foresee there like being a, like a rash change in uh, really in the demand for the service or anything? I, I, I don't really see that to be honest, because now uh, I just think it's going to be a different customer you're dealing with. Uh, now they're saying, you know, millennials always want, all wanted to live in a loft in a, in a, a big city, but now they're moving out. Now they want home. So now it's, it's a different way to market and attack uh, and, uh, you know, get millennials on board to, to, uh, to, to use you. But I think 
I think everyone. I, I think everyone's going to be in the house. Everyone's going to need air conditioning up here in Michigan. Everyone's going to kind of need furnace. So I don't see the numbers uh, changing that much. I think see things getting a lot smarter as we're seeing now with uh, with technology, and also the issue of workforce development. I'm sure maybe you, you know you, you got you probably talked about this uh, a great deal finding workers because we do have a grain industry. Uh, I think the average you know tech is in the mid fifties. And, and not as many people are coming up through the ranks uh, for this job. Um, that's going to be a big issue that the industry has to deal with it with. I hope since it got uh, established as an essential business uh, in the last year during COVID, maybe that uh, helps out the industry and, and, and the technology part of it. It's maybe a little bit of a cooler industry uh, because of the technology to kind of get the people that Guys, counselors always want you know people to go to four year university and then and then go from there. But if the if the contractors and trade schools can get in at the high school level to get the kid college, that's for everybody to get those kids that are you know tech savvy, have good you know soft skills, and maybe don't like sitting through four years of two hour classes. Tell them you can still go visit your friends at the at the college on Friday, Saturday night, and have a good time, and you save some money, and you'll be making a pretty decent salary. Uh, with very little debt, plus you have the ability to own your own business. How many people started off as a tech service manager, you know, helped run the business and then started off on their own and are greatly successful? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that's something that we continue to hear time and time again is people saying we can't find help. We can't find anyone really wanting to to do it or, or learn the trade anymore. Uh, so what are some things that you would recommend to a contractor who's struggling to find good help right now? One would be link up with your local trade school. Uh, that'll help you twofold. Um, they all, they have to have an advisory board. That's part of the, you know, trade school bylaws with, uh, um, with government funding. So get on that uh, advisory board, you know, meet once a month or twice a month and help them out. You will have a foot in the door when those graduates are coming out, they'll, They'll probably know you because you've been involved. Plus, you, you'll you'll know them a little bit. It's more apt uh, to to, uh, to have the person join you. Plus, you can shape how that school is teaching them. So, if you teach them a certain way and a certain way you do it at the company, you can kind of shape that uh, on the ground floor, which is great. Uh, the other one is it's almost become like a, a recruiting thing. There's uh, easy things you can do. Uh, Matt Michelle from Service Roundtable kind of talking about this not that long ago. Uh, some contractors kind of have a video game room uh, where, you know, they can go before or after work and, and goof off a little bit. Breakfast, they bring in, have breakfast cooked, you know, a couple times a week. And it's great for employees. It's great for morale and all that kind of stuff. But he says the key is when you're recruiting someone, when someone's in there and you show them that video game room, we say, yeah, we make breakfast for you. It's kind of how Alabama has a great, a great weight room. You know, it makes people want to come to that business. And uh, I know I'm long-winded on my answers. I apologize. But the, the right. third thing I'd also say is uh, veterans. There's a real uh, good opportunity to hire veterans that a lot of contractors are doing. I think like Vets for Trades is an organization. There's a, a few of them. They're obviously, you know, very mature, disciplined individuals who have gotten uh, some technical training through the armed forces that would probably be a great asset to your company. Yeah. Wow. That, that is, those are all great tips. And there's actually, those are tips I've never heard. Usually if, if I've asked anybody um, about what they would recommend, they would say like, Oh, I run Facebook ads or, you know, or, <laughs> right. or do something. But like, right. those are all very 
tangible tips that someone listening to this could easily go apply right now and and help solve their problem of labor shortage. Um, and I, I particularly like the trade school one because if you're in there and you're actually shaping the curriculum, you're essentially training them already to work for you because when they get out, they're going to be doing it your way. Yep. And so, and you can get in there and you can uh, maybe hand select the ones that you know might be a better fit than others uh, and have a sweet offer waiting for them. Um, so right. yeah, that's, that was awesome. Yeah. It could just be a, a pipeline to your business. It'd be great. Yeah. Like a feeder program. Yeah. Yeah. So you host a podcast as well for the ACHR news. I do. We do a newsmakers podcast. See what I did there? It's a pun on our name. I thought I was, I was very proud of that, uh, that creativity, but we, uh, it's every Monday we post a new podcast on ACHRnews.com and iTunes and Spotify. And we're just interviewing kind of, you know, the movers and shakers of the industry and given a little insight on what they're seeing in the, in their, their side of the market. Yeah. Have you all seen, uh, a really good amount of people listening to that versus reading. Yeah. Well, we, we're starting to look at now and what the uh, more, uh, the more intelligent people that uh, at the company, you know, in the higher positions uh, on, on that side of me say, we just, we're looking at them as different audiences. We have a print audience. We have an audience that likes us on the web that we like, we have an audience that wants us in our, get our articles in an e-newsletter, someone who wants it in a podcast. So, uh, it, we don't like when we do a podcast, we also put it in as an article on, on the website. So it's almost like you have to do things everywhere because you don't know where the people are that want to that, that consume it in that way. But we have found with uh, technicians, they're in a truck a lot going from, you know, uh, project to project. So they do listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, and I'm sure you're, you're aware uh, just to kill some time when they're going from point A to point B. Yeah. Not that this podcast is great. They're not trying to kill time for this one, but the, the, uh, no. they wait and they save this like a fine wine, but then maybe yeah. something like mine, they blow through. Yeah. This is the podcast that they like to sit down at the end of the long day and enjoy <laughs> a glass, bur- glass of bourbon. That's right. A nice warm fire. And then they, <laughs> they turn save on the smart HVAC marketing <laughs> podcast and they listen to me ramble for 30 minutes. <laughs> save it for a special occasion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before before date night, yeah. on the way to date night, yeah. <laughs> no, I, honestly though, I I I agree. I think that um, so many technicians that I've spoke to about this, they say we listen to it while we're working, even like while they're you know turning wrenches and and screwdrivers yeah. and actually in the field or in the in the truck between uh, jobs. Because even like this morning, I was uh, riding along with one of our local clients to take some pictures and. We got to our first stop. We were at the house. And then after that, he was like, all right, we got a 28 minute drive to the next house. And you get there and you, okay, I got a 30 minute drive back this way and stuff like this educational content that's relevant to them. Uh, it makes good listening material for them in the truck. And especially when you get people like you on here who are very smart in the industry and, and know a lot. So this is awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Kyle, uh, what are some ways that people can um, connect with you, connect with the ACHR news, learn more, so on and so forth? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I just send everyone to achrnews.com uh, and uh, we have any kind of information you'd possibly want on the HVC industry, how to get a membership uh, for ACHR news or podcasts or videos, every, webinars, 
Uh, so contract, love you. Check out achrnews.com and hopefully it can help you in your business. I'd, I'd love if, you know, we could help you make a little more money. Awesome. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you uh, joining me on the show today and I hope you have a great weekend and a great Memorial Day. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I had a good time. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.